You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Good morning, Cathedral. How's everybody doing? Man, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm excited to be here. Y'all happy this Sunday? I ain't had to prompt y'all that time. This is amazing. You know, some weekends, uh, you can just tell that the Lord is saying, you know, you have that some weekends where you know God's just getting ready to do something. Uh, I'm just, I'm not even going to let y'all guess. This is just one of those weekends where there's just no doubt. I mean, it started really from the very beginning. You know, every single Sunday, uh, we bring all of the volunteers that you see on this campus. We come in here. We have some worship time. We get them pumped up. We, we talk about the weekend service. And really, from the very beginning, that first meeting with everybody here, you could just tell God is up to something amazing. And so I'm going to go ahead and let you know, get ready. He's got something good for you this morning. And uh, this season that we find ourselves in has been absolutely incredible. Um, We just got done with a series that is entitled March Madness, and you guys really gave us some great feedback. One of the big things that we got, I got a couple of you guys who said, Dave, are we really going to talk about basketball for four weeks? (laughs) Like, there's that much to say? Like, and then they would come back to me and, and say, Dave, I, I had you spoke exactly to the season of life that I'm in. Like I had no idea this game would speak so much to my life, and I'm so glad about that. You know, the other thing that we uh, got around here was, Dave, I've never watched so much basketball in my life. Now. From a pastor who loves basketball, who thinks that in heaven it's going to be the game of heaven, (laughs) you've warmed my heart. Enjoy the basketball. Uh, Our brackets are all shot to pieces. I tried to warn you week one. Like, it doesn't matter how much basketball knowledge you have. Like, listen, I can't tell you how many text messages I got of, Dave, I know you, you, help me out. Like, help help me get a good bracket. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll help you out because guess where I am in the standings? Like 54. Like there's so many people who are ahead that have never watched a game of basketball, right? And so it just is the way it is. And so even the person who's winning right now and will probably win our bracket, I don't even know that she, I don't even know that she's watched a game. Like it just is what it is. And so, but it's been, an, it, it has been a great series, and uh, I just appreciate you guys participating so much, really leaning in and pressing in on all that God has, has for us uh, throughout this season and throughout this series. And the way that I want to start off today is I want us to take a look a little bit of the journey. I kind of just want to remind you a little bit of where God has had us over the last four weeks. Because we really have had an incredible journey, and some of the things that's tough for us to do in life is to slow down enough to really realize, hey, God is doing some pretty incredible things in our life. So let's recap it just a hair. The first week, what we talked about is when you go into life, it's really not hard to understand the amount of trials that we have in our life. We live and breathe them every day, right? We know those trials. 
What's harder to identify are the value systems that we need to have in place in our life that when the trials come, we're standing on this firm foundation that we're not surprised. We, we don't know how we're going to act. We know, we know exactly how we're going to handle this trial. We know exactly who we need to lean in on and who we need to call and get on our side to, to handle the trials that we have. And we talked about that there's five values in our life that we need to make sure are part of our foundation. We talked about Moses uh, and, and how he had this trial going on. One of the topics that we talked about was that we need to be committed to the team. And we see the story where Moses has this battle, and not only does he lean in on God, but he stays committed to the team. And because of those two things coming together, not only do they survive and allow Israel to keep going on, but it's this recipe that we see in Scripture that, hey, if we have this value system, man, it's going to build a foundation that we are going to be so firm for whatever this world can throw at us. And that's such an important thing. The second week we rolled in and we really kept going with this theme of Moses, and we found out that preparation is key. Like, if we're going to go into a season of life, if we're going to go into a, a battle or a trial, you don't want to go in blind. Like, the more that we can prepare, the more we can almost kind of guarantee success. Preparation is key. And Moses showed us, again, that when the pressures of life build, when pressure builds in our life, it really kind of flows in our life in a very common thing, whether I have it or you have it. And one of those things that shows up like this, it wears you down, absolutely exhausts you. What you'll see is it begins to isolate us from our friends and our family and the people who care about us. And then it ends up ultimately changing our thinking to where now we have this stinking thinking that is, it ain't going to help nothing. And we understood that, hey, there is a big importance, right, of knowing our position on the team. And even more important than that, that before this universe that God put us into motion, God knew you by name, and he had plans and purposes for you. And so I showcase this process of it's not only good to know your position on the team, but it's worth our investment of diving into, God, how did you make me? How did you wire me? What's the plan and the calling? And so we talked about the importance of that because preparation is key. The third week, Luke brought an amazing message around this concept of the battles of our life. And the phrase that he gave us, which was an incredible player, uh, incredible phrase, and I think everybody was thinking about that week to come, which is, I want to be a player to watch. Was that not an incredible message? Spoke to so many of you guys. In fact, here's what I was thinking the whole time that, uh, that uh, Pastor Luke was talking and giving that message. You see, the world, the enemy wants us to believe that we're the target. But you see, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says, no, 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 you're not the target, you're the arrow. And you are going to be a player to watch in this world and make this kingdom advance more than you ever will ever understand. We want to be a player to watch. Eddie rounded this whole series out and did a phenomenal job around this whole topic of distractions. Distractions are tough in our, in our life, and the phrase that, I, that, he, that he said that I kept hearing over and over again is that distractions are the enemy to success. 
How many of you guys know that in life, you got this plan, and all of a sudden, you kind of get off the beaten path a little bit, right? Distraction number one comes in. Distraction number 82 comes in. And before long, you're like, man, I was so fired up. Well, it makes sense because the enemy doesn't want us to win and succeed in our life. These distractions are the enemy of, this, of success. And I wrote this line down as kind of a recap for his weekend because here's what Eddie told us. He said, every day we need to put God in the right place. We need to give God first place in our life because when we do, there's a fallout effect. What happens when we do that is we remove the distractions of this world so that we can hear the plans and purposes that God has for us. It's been incredible. This journey has been great over the last couple weeks. God has been moving in our ways, and I hear so many of you guys talk about, man, this is exactly what I needed. And sometimes in in our life, we live such a fast-paced life, it's hard to slow down sometimes and to really soak in, man, God is really doing a move in my life. One of the things that I like to do when I feel this happening, how many of you guys have ever had a season where you're like, man, life is going good, right? I really feel like God is close to me. Here's what I do in those seasons. I slow down as hard as I possibly can. I start looking into that situation. God, what am I doing? Is there anything that I'm doing that's helping me cause this? What is my devotion game looking like? How am I, what are the things, because I want to make sure the hand of God just absolutely stays in and on my life. Well, the thing is, I feel like I I see that across the board with so many of you folks. And so that's the reason I wanted to take some time. Hey, let's slow down a second. Let's recap what God has been doing. Because sometimes it's good to go back through and to walk through the journey of what God has been doing in your life recently. In order to walk into the next step that God has for you and I, man, we got to keep fresh what he's doing in the now, what he's doing right now, and how he's moving in our life. As I was thinking and praying about this uh, series, there's two words that really kind of popped into my head. And I want these two words to really be ingrained into your brain this weekend. And here's the two words. The two words that I want you to have at the forefront of your brain is let's go. Okay, everybody say let's go. Here's the visual that I got. You know, most of the series of March Madness of what we were talking about had to do with the pregame, the trials, the battles, the prep, the distractions, all this kind of stuff. And the visual that I got is all of us as a church, we're on the bench, right? Now we're prepared. Now we're ready to face what God has for us, the challenges that we got in in our life and the things that God is calling to us. And the vision that I got is, man, we're ready. Put us in the game, coach. Coach, come on. I'm ready. I'm prepared, I'm ready to roll, and I'm put me in the game, coach. I'm ready, let's go. Everybody say, let's go. This word I want you to get inside of your brain so good. Every day for the next seven days, when you wake up and you put your two feet on the ground and you open up your eyeballs, the first two words that I want you to hear you say in your brain are, let's go. Everybody say, let's go. All right, we're going to do a little exercise here. I say let's go, you say let's go, okay? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 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 Say it like you mean it. Y'all were off a little bit. This side was a little bit better. One more time. Let's go. Okay, y'all on it. Y'all ready for it. I just want to make sure y'all ready to hear what God has for you. He's got a word for you this morning. 
You know, we do a lot of dramas and theatrics and all that kind of stuff, but here's what I can guarantee you. Every message that comes off of the stage is based off of the Word of God. And some people will come in here, oh, I didn't really feel like I got something out of the message. Don't believe the lie. When the Word of God speaks, I don't care what season you're in, He's got a word for you. And so I know He's got something amazing for us because the best is yet to come we're ready to get in the game put me in coach let's go okay i'm gonna speak to these guys who was that over here this guy's ready let's go come on there's a there's a there's a story in the bible and i think it matches up so well with this concept of of man let's get in the game let's go here here's this story Come on, at home, join in. You can say it right there on your couch. Let's go. Mark chapter 4. This is going to be good. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to be camping out there for the next little bit, okay? It's going to be seven short verses, but it's power-packed. So hang with me here. Verse 35. Here's what it starts off saying. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Everybody say, leave the crowd. crowd. You see, sometimes when God's telling you to let's go somewhere, you got to leave the crowd behind. And I'm not talking about people all the time. You know, some of y'all do need to leave a few people out of your life. Hopefully, they're not sitting right next to you. But in order to go where God wants us to go, we've got to leave the crowd. Sometimes that could be situations. Sometimes that could be things that we're entering into our lives that's taking us off the mission that God has for us. In order to go, sometimes we've got to leave the crowd. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Okay, listen to this. Check this out. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now, I paused here because I thought this was really interesting. You know, English was never my best subject in school, right? My English teacher is sitting in the service. So 10th grade, I was actually a phenomenal English. But I struggled on it. But this is this. When I read this verse, what popped out to me was the particular grammar that the Bible chose to use. Okay, I thought this was interesting. It tells us that there were multiple boats, but they're only concerned about one boat, the boat. And the thing that popped into my head immediately when I saw that is, oh man, man, oh man, we got to make sure that we get in the right boat. You see, Scripture's telling us, hey, let's go, right? Let's go. you got to leave the crowd, but don't get in the wrong boat. Because not every boat is created equal. There's something special about this boat. All boats are not created equal. Come on, tap your neighbor and say, get in the right boat. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the... Oh, okay. I get what's special about this boat. Jesus was in the boat. He was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Now let me ask you this. 
How long do you think it took for the disciples to wake Jesus up on the boat? Like, was it after the first big wave that came crashing over into the boat? We're like, oh, boy, we got to get Jesus up. Now, you got you to remember, these fellas, they were fishermen. I'm not talking about skinny jean type wearing fishermen. <laughs> I'm talking about some roughest gator fishermen. And like a true fisherman, don't you know, on the shores of Galilee, they probably had a fire talking about all the storms that they survived. You see, the Sea of Galilee is known for this kind of thing, and a storm can come out of nowhere, 15, 20-foot waves. So don't you know they're kind of bragging around, going, oh, let me tell you about this storm that I survived. Oh, you got a, a 20-foot wave? Oh, man, I got a 30-foot wave, cracked my boat in half, I hung onto one end of the boat and swam it back into the shore. Come on. <laughs> I'm sure they did this whole thing wanting up. Like, I wonder how long did it take for the fishermen, these disciples, to wake Jesus up? You know, at one point, they were probably like, oh, man, I think we need to wake Jesus up. And someone else goes, man, come, the dude is sleeping. He's sleeping, and you're that scared? Don't wake my man Jesus up. Let him sleep. At some point, Scripture wastes no time. Because at some point, without any hesitation, they don't wait a single second. They wake up Jesus. They call on Jesus. Everybody say, call on him. They call on Jesus. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Verse 39, this is what Jesus did. This is his response. He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. It's those famous words that we know. Peace, be still. And the wind and the waves died down, and it was completely calm. You see, this theme of controlling the seas is seen throughout the Bible. It's stressed all throughout Scripture. You can look at Genesis chapter 1, Job 38, Judges 4. All throughout the psalm, there's this theme of controlling the seas. In the Bible, this idea of Jesus, this, this idea of, of God having power over the seas is important. Because the seas always represented the symbol of chaos. And to control them back in that day in Scripture and in our lives, to control them is a continual reminder for every single one of us of God's sovereignty. That's a fancy way of saying it has his ability to have complete power and control in our life, in the chaos in this universe and in our life. He is in control. You see, in some parts of the world, the sea was a symbol of Sheol, of hell itself, representing this abyss, representing this evil thing that we have in the world, the, the, the way the enemy wreaks havoc and chaos in our life. You see, but God, Scripture has another way to talk about the seas. Scripture says God is portrayed as mightier than the raging seas. It's different than how the world views this whole process. He's trying to teach the disciples something. Let's listen to what Psalms chapter 93 tells us about this. It says, chaos once challenged you. You say, well, Dave, my life doesn't feel like chaos only once challenged me. I kind of feel like I wake up every day and there's some chaos going on in my life, right? Hold on. Next line. Chaos once challenged you. The raging waves lifted themselves over and over. Does that sound a little better? 
Okay. High above the ocean's depth, letting out their mighty roar. Man, does that not sound like what what this world tries to do in our life over and over? Speaking negativity into our life, saying that you're never going to measure up. All these things of what the enemy tries to do over and over again in our life. But listen to what this says. It says, yet the sound of your voice, they were stilled by your might. What a majestic king filled with power. He continues on. Here's what he says to the disciples. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? These disciples, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay, let's stop right there. Because this is so good. I just want to make sure that we don't miss the power of God's word for our life. You see, when it says that even the wind and the waves obey him, here's what this means. If you flip over to Romans chapter 11, here's what it tells us. is that the same power that was in him is in me, is in you. The same power that was in Jesus to do all of those miracles. The same power that was in Jesus to conquer death, hell, and the grave. The same power that was in Jesus to change this world for the rest of humanity. That same power that Jesus had all lives inside of you. When you say, peace, be still, to whatever challenge, to whatever trial, to whatever battle, it will be still. Let's do a little practice. I want you to put your hand on your heart. And I want you, in your mind's eye, I want you to get whatever it is that you're going through. Okay? We're not going to shout it out. So you don't have to worry about it. You can put the real struggle that you've got going on right in front of your brain. And I want you to say these words. Peace be still. Say it. Peace be still. Peace. Say it again. Peace be still. Peace. Peace be still. Come on, say it like you mean it. Peace be still. Peace. When you say these words, the same power that was in Jesus is in you, and it will be still. Everybody say, let's go. go. See, when you need strength, when you need courage, when you need the boldness to, to, to handle what God has called you to, the same strength that he has to move mountains, he gives you in a second. Okay, this is exactly what we see happening with the disciples. You see, Jesus isn't just giving these disciples a good scolding. Like, you have no faith? Seriously, we've been together for a year at this point. Now, what God, what Jesus had in mind at this point, he knows what's getting ready to happen. He knows that in two short years, he's going back up into heaven. And he's got a major mission that he needs for these disciples to accomplish. And he knows, hey, you're going to come against so many different trials in your life. I got to prepare you. I got to get you ready. I got to build your confidence. I got to build the boldness out of here. I got to build this faith muscle. So every single time you have these situations, I'm going to teach you how to build this faith muscle so that when you have these encounters when I'm not here, you know I'm the one to call. No matter the situation, you understand I can call on the one that nothing's impossible for. No matter the situation, the more we see the power of God move, the more our confidence will grow. The more our faith will grow. 
Now, we're always going to struggle with fear in this life. Always. It's a part of the fallen nature of this world. It is a part of it. But gradually, experience by experience, trial by trial, situation after situation that you see God's hand coming into your life, it is going to build that faith muscle. Just like the disciples, we'll become bolder. We'll become more confident in Jesus. You say, Dave, I don't know that I believe you. That's okay. Believe the, the, the word of God. Because I want you to look at the difference in the disciples. In two short years, when, God goes to he- when Jesus goes to heaven, look at the difference in the disciples in the story that I just read you, full of fear, not knowing who to call on, trying to figure this whole thing out, right? Jesus goes to heaven, and in Acts chapter 2 through Acts chapter 4, we see that their confidence and their faith has grown to the point that they can change the rest of history. They can change lives. Miracles come from these disciples. Lives are changed, thousands of lives. Because of their confidence, because of their faith that grows, they are able to launch the church. In one meeting, they're able to save thousands of lives. Their confidence and their faith grows to the point that they secure Jesus' name for the rest of history. That's the power when we grow our faith. The question I have for you is the question that I ask myself. Are you all ready to join the disciples? Are you ready for your life to count as much as what we read in Scripture? Because the same power that was in Jesus was in them and is in us. Here's the next question I ask myself. And it's a question I think you're going to have to wrestle with. Is do you believe that God can use you? We do a really good job of downplaying ourselves, of downplaying our effectiveness. Surely God can't use me. Surely I can't accomplish all this. Oh, the dream seems too big. Surely I can't make a difference in the kingdom. It's all a lie. All you need to do is believe that God can use you, that your situation can change. All you need to do is believe that your workplace can change, that your family can change, youth, that your school can change. Everybody say, let's go. go. You see, Easter is just around the corner. And as a church, we're in a phenomenal season as a church. Lives are being changed. Participation, I mean, we're growing, and participation is at an all-time high. People are getting saved like crazy. But so much this year, I find myself going right back to the Sea of Galilee. It's one of my favorite places to go. When we go over to Israel, I look forward and I count down the days. Oh, I can't wait till I get to go onto the Sea of Galilee. In fact, it was one of the favorite places that Jesus went, and you can read it in Scripture. Why would he go here? He would get on a boat, and he would go out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee for a couple reasons. A, just to refresh himself. You ever been through a season where you're pouring out a lot and you feel drained? Yeah, this would be that place where he can now refresh himself. It's a time period where he can re-up with God and he can pray to the God who nothing is impossible for because he knows the mission at hand. Every year when we go on this Israel trip, I go out to to the Sea of Galilee and I do the very same thing. And I have this moment with God where I pray and I say, God, I need you. Break my heart for your people. Don't ever let me get jaded with people. God, boy, you just keep breaking my heart for the people that you've called us to. 
Lord, would you always have us a church that the, the culture breaks for people's heart, the situations that they're going to, that we can create a culture where people can just come in with all of their junk, knowing that they're in the right place to get healed up. Lord, break our heart for people who need you, who are far away from you. And I wrestled with this thing of like, okay, so God, we find ourselves between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. This is, the, this is bigger than Super Bowl for you, God. This is an important week. It's almost like I get this visual of he has this thing inside of us, this yearning to go towards him of all in society, right? It's like there's something missing, and it never gets filled until we have that calling that we say yes to Jesus. And all of a sudden, the pieces of the puzzle come together. It's almost like this time period, God shifts the entire universe to say, hey, what about this Jesus figure? I hear about it. I know about it. Could it really make a difference in my life? God, what do you want me to do over the next seven days that I can make a difference for your kingdom? How do we end today? Where do we go from here? What do you want me to do? Let me tell you one last story, and I'm going to let you fill in the blank with your story and how you participate. You see, every year we celebrate our military men and women who sacrifice and who fight tooth and nail for this country that we call the United States of America. And I don't care where you are on the spectrum, there's a lot of stuff going on, but we still have the greatest nation on the face of this planet. And if you don't agree with a statement like that, there's never been a more important time period in history where I can encourage you to get on your knees and pray for this nation. Every year we celebrate the fact that these men and women, they, fight, they sacrifice and they fight tooth and nail. I came across a story and I, and I couldn't help, but I just got to share it with you. I thought it applied so much to what we're talking about today. In fact, go ahead and t tap your neighbor and tell him, hey, this is a true story. This is a true, uh, tap your other neighbor and say, no, 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 seriously, this is a true story. Yeah, okay. All right, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do it together. Everybody repeat after me, okay? There was a man, man. who fought in Vietnam. He was a fighter pilot. All right, you can stop right there because it's going to take way too long if we keep this up, okay? Just want to make sure you're in tune with the story. There was a man who fought in Vietnam. He was a fighter pilot. His name was Charlie Plum, and he flew 75 missions in his military career. In fact, he helped form Top Gun, that whole program. He flew 74 successful missions, but on his 75th mission in Vietnam, something went terribly wrong. It did not go as planned at all. In fact, what happened was a surface air missile hit his plane, and he ended up having to pull the eject lever in his plane. He landed behind enemy lines, and Charlie Plum ended up being a six-year prisoner of war. Now, for those of you who are quick with math, that's 2,103 days spent in an 8 by 8 cell where he could walk three steps in one direction and three steps in another direction. He was stripped down, shot, beaten, and fed a steady diet of cold cream corn. That's a whole lot of Christmases. That's a whole lot of Easter's. That's a whole lot of events that he's missed out. That's six years of his life spent in an eight by eight cell. I think it goes without saying that his family thought he was dead. We didn't have the technology back in the, in, in the day to do all the stuff that we know now in the world. Drones and all this kind of stuff. They had no form of communication. They thought he was dead until the day came where they released him. He came back home. He came back home to his wife. He came back home to his family. And one day, he was going to a restaurant with his wife, trying to get back into the groove of life. 
He's at a restaurant with his wife, and he felt like somebody was staring at him. How many of you guys have ever been in a restaurant, and you kind of feel like someone's just staring at you, right? Maybe it's someone from work, or maybe someone from this side of the church is like seeing you. are like, I think you go to cathedral. Like, anybody been to a, like a restaurant, and you feel like, yeah, I get that from time to time, right? He's trying to continue through his, his meal. He's trying to ignore this feeling. He's like, it's there, but I'm trying to figure it out. Then all of a sudden, he looks up, and his wife is looking at him with that eye. Like, fellas, you know that eye I'm talking about. Like, you got that eye, and you're like, something's up. I know something's up. I'm not sure what it is, but I got about two seconds to figure this out real quick. She's not giving me the eye right now, so I'm good. All of a sudden, Charlie looks over his shoulder, and the man that he thought was staring at him is now standing at his table. Charlie looks at this man and asks the simple question, can I help you? And this man, kind of in an excited tone, is like, hey, man, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I just have a question for you. Are, 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 are you plum? He kind of looks back at him, kind of taken back. Yeah, 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 I am. Oh, Charlie, I knew it was you. I knew it was you. I just, I, I just had to come over to this table. Let me ask you just a few more questions because I really want to make sure that this is you. He says, were you a fighter jet pilot? Yeah, 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 you were a fighter jet pilot. You flew in Vietnam, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, you flew off the Kitty Hawk too, didn't you? I was on the Kitty Hawk. Charlie kind of taken back by this. Like, how does this guy know all this information? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was there. Yeah, I was on the same ship. He looks at Charlie, and he tells him these words that shot to his core. He said, I, I packed your parachute. Charlie immediately stands to his feet with a tremble in his voice because of the emotion of what he's spent over the last six years. He goes, thank you. Thank you so much. I never knew that I would get the opportunity to be able to do this. I never knew that I was going to be able to do this. The guy responds back to Charlie, and quite honestly, the best way that I think you could possibly do as a human. He goes, I guess it worked. And Charlie said, absolutely it did, man. Go get your wife. Come back over here. Let's have a meal together. I have so many questions that I want to ask. They ended up exchanging information and staying in touch with each other. Later that night, Charlie, he's in bed. He's trying to go to sleep to the best of his ability. But his mind is just racing over and over again. He's tossing. He's turning. He just can't figure out. He gets to the point where he wakes up his wife because of all this tossing and turning. His wife wakes up and... Ask him, Charlie, what, what, what is going on? He tells his wife, hey, I just can't sleep. All I can think about is this man. She responds, are you, are you talking about the guy that packed your parachute? Yeah, babe, I, I just can't get him out of my head. I keep trying to figure out, did I ever pass him on the ship? I'm trying to visualize what he could have looked like. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a sailor outfit on him and trying to figure out, hey, did I ever pass him on the hall? Maybe by chance, did I ever get a chance to actually just talk to him? I was thinking back, and I just, I just can't remember. You see, every single time, you may not know this, I didn't know a lot about this, but every single day, they would repack the parachute. Now, I didn't know a lot about this process, but they would unpack the whole thing. They would, they would stretch it out on a long wooden table at the bottom of the ship. They would want to make sure that all the strings weren't tangled. 
They would want to make sure even if this mission was successful, maybe by chance the bullet may have pierced it and could have messed up one of the shoots. So every single day, it was a matter of such importance to unpack the parachute and to meticulously go through it and meticulously fold it just perfect because life depended on it. Plum was thinking about all of the hours that the sailors spent on that long wooden table at the bottom of that ship, carefully weaving those strings to make sure there was no tangles, carefully folding that chute. And the thought that kept going through his head was this, is that this guy was holding in his hands every single day the fate of somebody's life that he never knew. Every mission, this guy packed Charlie's parachute. Every mission, this guy made sure that if Charlie ever had to eject out of a plane and pull the lever on that parachute, that it would open. 75 missions in a row. Every single day, he carried out this duty. Not knowing that on the 75th mission, Charlie would have to pull that eject lever. The man never knew that if he would ever have to use it. But it, if he did, he knew that that chute would open properly. Because he packed his parachute. You see, today as we go into Easter, we're one week away. What do I do? What's my role? How do I have impact? I think it's real simple, and I'm going to do it in a question form, but it's this. Whose parachute are you packing? Who are you pouring into? Who are you encouraging and giving hope to? Whose life that because of you is experiencing the love of Jesus? Whose life are you creating value in so that one day you may get the opportunity to tell them about the love of Jesus and how he's radically changed and impacted your life? Maybe, just maybe, God will open up a door for you to simply just get the opportunity to invite him to a church service, to sit right next to you, even give them an opportunity to raise their hand to receive salvation. You see, we're not designed to be in the boat by ourselves. And see, what's crazy to think about this is I was thinking about this, the struggles that we have on this life, the trials that we go through, the thing that breaks my heart is I can't imagine going through these struggles by myself. Even worse, I can't imagine going through the struggles and the trials that the life brings, that this world will bring without Jesus in my life. I can't imagine the darkness that would be attached and associated with that. What we don't understand is that there's so many miracles that happen in our life. The fact that somebody else has packed our parachute in the past. You see, this past week I was scrolling through TikTok and I came across this story that just, man, it got to the core of me. And I want to give it to you in short, very short story. This military guy came back like so many folks and was just struggling. He found himself at a place where he wanted to end his life. What he didn't know is that somebody was packing his parachute. One of his friends came up alongside of him, told him about a story 
that was similar, told him about how Jesus had changed his life. Slowly, but slowly, day by day, that feeling of suicide began to go to the point where it wasn't there anymore. One day, this guy found himself, he's a baby Christian. He's trying to figure this whole thing out, but he has this, this thing in his heart that goes, man, how incredible was it that, that, God, you put that guy in my life. God, would you give me an opportunity? I, I want to make a difference like that. What if there's somebody else out there struggling like I am? God, God, right there in his chair in his living room, he's trying to figure out, he says, God, can you give me an opportunity? What that guy did not know is he would get his opportunity that day. Now, I can't tell on the video because you can tell it's a, it's a big city. There's people around. By the time it shows it in the video, there's about 10 cops, weapons drawn, because this guy has a weapon as well. And somehow this guy is in the mix. Not sure how he got, got there. But this is where the video picks back up. He said, I had no idea that I would get my chance that day. And it shows this conversation between this guy live. Somebody, somebody was recording it. It was touch and go. At one point, this guy looked like he was getting ready to end it all. But the way that God is, in a moment, I can just help but this guy whispering in his, in his mind, peace be Still, peace be still. Some word that this guy said connected and communicated with this guy. And what ended up happening next is he put his weapon on the ground. The next scene that you see is cops rush in and surround this guy. You can't see this guy anymore. All you do is you see his hands up in the air like this. And the words that you hear, you can't see his face, but you can hear it clear as a bell. Can I please give the guy a hug? The cops allow this gentleman to come in, and all you hear is this embrace. And he goes, you're good, brother. Jesus loves you. I love you. The journey begins. He had no idea that somebody in a living room was packing his parachute. It was a matter of life. We're getting ready to go into a song. But before we get there, matter of fact, let's do this. Because I want to make sure you don't misunderstand or just let this be another worship song that we sing. Tim, come on out here. Barrett, would you mind singing the first, which by the way, Talking about miracles, this girl right here is a miracle. She just gave birth to two twins, and she's here. That's incredible. I remember during that season of life, oh boy, I was outnumbered. Lord, how do I do two bottles at a time? Right now, Lord Jesus, pray for her husband, whatever he's doing to survive. Lord, give him grace. She's agreeing with me right here on stage. Barrett, would you, would you just sing the first verse of the song that we're getting ready to go to? I want you to s- slow down. Listen to the words that she sings. Go ahead. All my life I've been carried by grace. Don't ask me how because I can't explain. It's nothing short of a Okay, stop, stop right there. How many of you guys remember a time period in your life? 
you, you're journeying through a situation and you shouldn't have made it out on the other side the way that you did. Some of you might be in here and you might even say, dude, I shouldn't even made it out alive, let alone through the situation. The amount of hands, y'all need to start living a little bit lighter. But that's our reality, right? You see, that's exactly what this song is singing about. We've all had this time in life where we shouldn't have made through it, but we stuck out a hand. We asked for God. We called on God. And he said, peace be still. You see, he can stop the storm in its tracks. He can stop the situation from continuing and continuing and going in your life. He can save you from anything and everything in your life. That's what this song, there's so many miracles that happen. Let me ask it one more time. Whose parachute are you packing? Barrett, would you sing that line just one more time? All my life I've been carried by grace. Listen. Don't ask me how, cause I can't explain. Can't explain it. It's nothing short of a miracle I'm here. How many of you guys realize that it's a miracle that you're even sitting in these chairs today? So my question goes back, who are you inviting to Easter? Because just like that guy was a part of Charlie's miracle story, you too will be a part of someone's miracle. This is going to be someone's first weekend for the first time in their life. It's going to be their first Sunday. And their life is going to change forever. It's a miracle that you helped usher in. Whose parachute are you packing? Listen, there's nothing wrong with having people in your life who are packing your parachute. Listen, I hope that I always have people in my life that are packing my parachute for me. But the time is now. We're saying, God, put me in the game. I'm ready to be a player to watch because I believe that the time is now for us to pack somebody's parachute. It's a matter of life itself. Who's parachutes are you packing we're going to sing this song in its entirety but I don't want this to just be a worship song I want this to be a song where you have a conversation with God it's a prayer time and here's what I want you to do I want you to say God God I want to pack someone's parachute but Father I need you to put, put their face inside of my brain and begin to pray for that individual. Father, would you just, I don't even know how I'm going to get a, in, in, in intersecting in their life. Guess what? God is amazing at intersecting people's lives. You don't have to worry about supernaturally. He'll make it work out. God, would you just give me favor? Somehow in the process of the conversation, would you just allow me to have favor with this individual? Father, would you help me get rid of all the distractions that could possibly be in their life? Whatever thing that can keep them away from sitting right next to me this Sunday, this Easter. Father, would you just take it away? Just take this time period and let's, let's dive in. As a church, God wants to do a move right here in Charleston, South Carolina. And he does it through his people. And I want to challenge you this morning. Whose parachute are you packing? Let's worship.
here's, here's the thing that's getting ready to happen. I want everybody to look at these back doors. Turn around, look at these back doors. There's going to be a lot of people who walk through these doors next weekend and have no idea that they're a miracle. But let me tell you something. They're going to walk out of those doors knowing the miracle that they truly are. Amen? Amen, amen. Put your hands out in front of you. Let me bless you. Father, use us. We're ready. We're ready to get in the game. We want to pack somebody's parachute. Father, just like you did with the disciples, would you grow our confidence? Would you grow our faith? Would you give us the opportunity? Put the people in front of our face. Father, we give you this next week. We give you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We give you up until 8.59 on a Sunday morning and even for the late crowd up until 9.09 or whatever time they come. Father, we want every second to count. Father, would you give us the ability for us to pack somebody's parachute and for them to say yes to you. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, let me hear you say a big old loud amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. Have an amazing week. Let's fill this place up. Love you guys so much. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.